Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey everybody, this is Ryan from the Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 109, brought to you today by the Project Entertainment Network, a family of podcasts taking over the world. And today I have on the show Rob Eager from Wildfire Marketing, and we're going to talk about all things marketing. And marketing doesn't have to be scary doesn't have to be intimidating. And Rob's going to show us and tell us exactly why that is true. But first, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is Ryan J. Pelt, your Prolific Writer Podcast host. We are back in action. It has been a while since we've had an interview on the pods. And uh, if you went back and listened to Motivation Mondays from last week, uh, you heard a little bit about my hiatus, a little resty poo, a little sabbatical, needed it, needed to take a little nap, have a little surgery, go on some vacations, you know, all the good stuff. And, uh, but we're back at it. And, uh, what a great episode to share with you today. A great conversation I had with Rob Eager from wildfire marketing. And I, I love marketing conversations, especially with experts that have done a lot of marketing and Rob has done his fair share marketing his own books. Um, does a lot of speaking, but he also has marketed some of the most, uh, influential books, uh, in the last, 10 years, some big name authors, uh, best-selling authors. And so he is going to share all of his wisdom and advice on marketing because I would say probably the number one question I get asked often is how do you market your books? And, you know, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, you know, I'm sensitive. I'm an introvert. I don't want to market because it feels sleazy. It feels scammy. You know, what actually works in book marketing and, and what, what is helpful to kind of get eyes on our work and, and all that. And it can be intimidating. It can be scary. And, and I, I we all fight that constantly, uh, but it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't have to be scary. And, and, and Rob's going to really help us think through what kind of who we are and, and what w- would work for us. Um, and not, not all marketing 
you know, avenues are, are good for everybody. And so I think you're going to really, really enjoy Rob Eager from Wildfire Marketing uh, in this conversation uh, with me. And so get out a, a pencil, a piece of paper, a pen. Do we, do we still do that? Write it down. Get out your little phone, phony poo. Get out your notes app, whatever you do, whatever your cool thing is that you're into these days. Take some notes. I think you're going to have a lot to apply to your own writing journey wherever you are. And so a couple more things before we get rolling here, we will be back on our kind of more regular rhythms. We've got some great uh, interviews uh, coming in the, in the next few weeks. Look forward to sharing those with you. And, uh, and also, yeah, go check out all the writing resources on the prolific writer, uh, uh, net, And, uh, you can check those out articles and past podcasts and, uh, some courses and some free stuff there as well. And uh, so check that out and also check out all the other shows on the project entertainment network. Uh, you're, you, probably find something you like a lot of different kind of shows. So they're not all writing podcasts, thank goodness, <laughs> but a lot of, uh, great interviews and, uh, different people doing cool stuff. So check all that out. And if you want to become a patron, you can do that as well. And, uh, I think for as little as a buck, you can get some goodies from the project entertainment network. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Rob eager from wildfire marketing. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. Your host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad today to have Rob Eager on the show. And Rob is from Wildfire Marketing. And I'm so excited to have Rob on. A couple of reasons. One is the the probably the biggest question I get on the show and in our community is about marketing and marketing books and how to get eyeballs on books. And I've been off the show for about a month and a half. And so this is going to be a great kind of re-entry for me to talk about marketing and how to get uh, more book sales and, and what that looks like and how to do that. And I'm so glad to have Rob on the show. So Rob, why don't you say hello and uh, tell us one thing that maybe nobody knows about you. <laughs> well, thanks, Ryan, for having me on the program. It's good to be here. Uh, really excited to have a chance to share some advice with all the listeners today. In terms of what people don't know about me, um, I'm a huge fly fisherman. That's if, if you call my office and I don't answer, I'm probably out on a river somewhere chasing big monster trout. So that, that's right. my way to decompress. Well, very good. Very good. Well, we, we were just talking and, uh, uh, Rob's in Atlanta and I'm in Kansas city and it's very hot in both of these places. So we probably all would like to be fly fishing right now in Colorado or somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, so, so Rob, it's so good to have you on the show. And, as I said, one of the things I get asked the most is about marketing. And, and I think part of the, the reason I get asked that the most is because when you think of a writer, someone who's creative, someone's kind of the artist, when it comes to marketing and wearing the marketing hat, the business hat, it kind of freaks people out. And they feel sleazy. They feel scammy. They feel like, I can't do that. Someone else has to do that. And so I'm really gl glad to have you on the show um, and, and talk a little bit about wildfire marketing, a little bit of what you do. Um, but before we get to that is one of the things I know about you is that you're a writer as well. And you kind of jumped into self-publishing in 2002 and sold a bunch of books. And I wanted to hear a little bit about, about that story because, uh, that kind of led you, I think, into how do you, you know, selling books and things like that. So talk a little bit about your writing journey. And that, you're right, Ryan. I'm, I guess you could define me as one of the original self-publishing success <laughs> stories because <laughs> 
I, uh, I was literally, there was a day, it's, it's a long time ago, but there's still memories in my, in my brain of selling books out of the back of my car <laughs> because that's what you did back then. In fact, I, I am in good company. I do know for a fact that John Grisham used to sell books out of the trunk of his car, so I can, I can relate to that. But um, yeah, I, I wrote my first book back in 2002. Um, and at the time, this was way before social media existed when Amazon was just a, a tiny little company that no one thought was going to make it. Um, and I primarily got the word out for my books through public speaking. You're just getting in front of audiences because you didn't have the digital option back then like you do today. So I was just kind of pressing the flesh and would go from city to city, do a lot of speaking engagements, you know, try to get up maybe a, a local radio interview, speak at a local library or local organizations, things like that. So it was really just knowing you know, where are my readers congregating and then just trying to get in front of them and talk about the book. Um, and it was fun. Um, you know, I, I, at the time, I had quit a corporate job that I was just was dissatisfying, didn't enjoy it anymore. So I just decided to try the entrepreneurial hat, write a book, and go out in the world. And you know, lo and behold, people enjoyed what they read. They were telling their friends, and that opened the doors to then expand in the new cities. And just like anything else, I started out local here in Atlanta. Kind of you know, spoke as many places as I could here. I got referrals into Birmingham, Nashville. You know, different parts of Texas, Florida, and they just began to grow. Um, but within a few years' time, I was speaking all over the country and in Canada and had built a national following. Um, it was you know, quite rewarding to see that I could turn a, a book that was very you know, dear to me into a full-time career. Now, out of that, as I was speaking, I would meet other authors at similar events where I was presenting, and we would go to dinner afterwards and eventually wind up talking shop. And the question that you just mentioned would always circle back to marketing eventually. And they would say, you know, Rob, how did you come out of nowhere and build a national platform and turn this into a career where my wife was able to quit her job and join full time? And that's where the questions for marketing advice uh, began. But I, be but I began to get so many questions about that from authors. I realized you know, there's a void. There's a lack of training, especially back then. This was 12 years ago. And so, as you alluded to, kind of born out of need, I kind of got pulled into this now new career that I have of being a full-time book marketing consultant. And I've now been doing that for the last 12 years where I began to get so many phone calls for help. I realized rather than living out of a suitcase, living out of a hotel all the time, I'd rather pour myself into helping other authors maximize their message and their book sales. So that's how Wildfire Marketing was born back in 2007. Uh, since then, I've coached over 600 authors, both fiction and nonfiction uh, and had the distinct pleasure of being able to help both fiction and nonfiction books hit the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, so that's kind of the path that has led me up today. And you know, really excited to talk to your uh, audience about marketing today. No, I, I love that story. And I, I think there, there is something, uh, I mean, there's a lot we can pull out of that. Uh, you know, obviously pre, you know, I, I wasn't going to say pre internet, that's not that far back, but, um, but you know, pre social media, not as many platforms. I mean, you really, yeah, you have to kind of pound the pavement, you know, probably a garage full of bo books, you know, just, I mean, doing it kind of old school. I mean, I, I've heard horror stories also where, you know, I still have 10,000, you know, <laughs> hardback books in my garage because I couldn't sell any of them. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think that's, that's also part of, you know, the networking part, the getting in front of people part is I think in marketing, we forget that that actually still is, uh, could be effective, especially for nonfiction writers. I, I, I mean, you can talk to us about fiction as well. Um, but, but that human, human touch as well. I've done some local signings with uh, some of my middle grade books and things and sold books that way. And, and I think it's like, we forget that too. It's not just social. It's not just ads, all that, all that. So, um, so this is great. So I'm really looking forward to jumping into it. I have a lot of things, uh, 
to, to talk about. But, but when you, you know, let's just start here. When you, when you have a client and they come to you and they're like, okay, Rob, here's the deal. I, I have these books or a book. Um, you know, I'm not getting many sales. What seems to kind of be the, the kind of stumbling block that you find with, with clients? Is it, is it one or two or three things that, that kind of trip people up when it comes to marketing or is it kind of all over the map or tell us a little bit, just maybe in a, a true case study. Sure. And that's a great question. And you know, I always try to bring principles that, that we can you know, feel secure about into the equation. And the principle that I almost always lead with, you know, based on what you said, is what's working or if I'm having you know, trouble selling books, what's the, what's the core problem? And usually that core problem is you're not focusing on selling books in ways that you can control. There are a lot of things that you know, will help you sell books, but they're outside your control. Like you know, getting on your Reese Witherspoon's book club list or mm-hmm. getting a shout out from Oprah or getting on Good Morning America or the Today Show. You know, pursue those things if you can, but those are beyond your control. Focus on what you can control. And the good news is with technology, with social media, there's a lot more that you can do to control your own book sales than you could a decade ago. For example, you can control pursuing, you know, getting on podcasts. It's kind of to, to dovetail what you uh, referenced a while ago, you know, going out and doing book signings, that doesn't work like it used to. You know, fewer people, there's fewer bookstores to even go to to have a signing and fewer people are going to bookstores. But you can appear on podcasts. Um, you can, you, you can do a Facebook Live video. You can do a series of YouTube videos. There, there's still ways to get in front of people. You may not be in the same room, but you're still face-to-face mm-hmm. and from a digital standpoint and still able to build those relationships. So uh, in terms of when a client comes to me, that's usually the first place we always start is have you learned all the things that you can control and then how to maximize those and then let the things that you necessarily can't control be the gravy that if it does come true, that's wonderful, but you're not having to rely on that for success alone. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good because, you know, I'm seeing a lot of kind of marketing gurus and other people that, you know, are talking about, you know, write your next bestseller. And it's like the, the, the only goal is, you know, if you're not on USA Today bestseller or New York Times, and those are, those are great goals. But again, a lot of times those aren't as controllable as we, you know, we'd like. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, w- with our world, we, I'm trying to get, help people just get their book out there and then say, okay, now let's have a, have a plan. Because I think even to get to that point is, right. is, is massive for people. It's like, I just want to finish one book, let alone, you know, get on the New York times bestseller list. Um, so, you know, as you kind of meet with people, give us a little, uh, just, you know, success story, because I, I like your story in particular. And again, not, not to offend you. I, I try not to offend our guests, but, um, but you know, you're, you're not a household name. Most authors aren't a household name. And yet you were able to sell a ton of books, get in front of, you know, thousands of people. And I think people forget that in author world is like, most people aren't well known. I mean, unless you're very, you know, are you Oprah or whoever, um, is give us a success story of someone that's kind of come to you and, and, you know, maybe didn't have a platform or didn't have, you know, really much going, but we're able to kind of get uh, a lot of books in front of people. Yeah. Well, I, I'll give you a, a case study right now that I'm working with. I'm really excited about is, an author who, um, she, she's a, a woman, she's very professional. She's based up in the, in the Northeast of the U.S. She, she's been a, a licensed uh, psychologist, very smart, has a Ph.D., and she's a good writer. Um, but she's just kind of come out for the first time to, you know, let the world see her expertise. Um, and so, you're using a combination of, you know, blogging, um, you'll get kind of you're getting snippets of her expertise, um, using uh, Facebook ads and then giving away free eBooks or you know, free short nuggets of content via these Facebook ads 
partnering with, with uh, other people that she knows who have large audiences who will bring her on to do a webinar, or she's beginning to do some of her own webinars as well. Um, and then getting out and, and public speaking as well. A combination of those things, this author, as we speak, is on pace to add nearly 800 to 1,000 people to her email list just this month alone. And at the, you know, at the time of this recording, we're only halfway through the month. And this has been happening consistently since uh, I began to work with her about uh, five months ago. So you know, she's a great case study of someone who is coming completely into the industry, brand new, starting from zero. But if you have a message that people can really resonate with, and you can, and you can break that message down into small nuggets, whether that's fiction or nonfiction, and give those nuggets away for free to entice people, and you know, if you have the money and, and the budget, you, you, in, in, in most cases, you can do some, some Facebook ads at different you know, financial levels. Then it lets you get to a targeted audience that you know is probably going to want to respond to those nuggets. And now you've got people coming to you and, and beginning to build your own audience. That references back to what I was saying earlier, learning to control what you can control. All of the authors, whether they're New York Times bestsellers who I've coached or you know, first-time beginners like I just referenced, when you're building your own audience, that's the, that's the best position of strength. Yes, you can spend a lot of money on advertising, and advertising does work. I mean, I've got clients who spend anywhere from two dollars to $5,000 a month on Amazon ads, and they're getting great results. <laughs> but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of cash flow that you have to tie up. You can spend that on Facebook as well. But when you're doing things to build your own audience, that's going to accrue over time. And one thing that people ask me all the time is, what do my New York Times bestselling clients all have in common? And one thing that they all share is a really big email list. Now, they didn't get there overnight. They had to start from zero like I did and everyone else, but they stayed consistent. And that consistent approach, of, even if they only add 50 to 100 people a month, maybe some months they had 500 to 1,000, you look back five years later, that's really going to begin to accrue, and that's what puts you in a position of strength. And I hear that from both the self-published side and the traditionally published side. You, it's almost a principle to say, you know, he who owns the big email list is going to wind up controlling their own fate. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's really wise. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about that as kind of owning your own real estate uh, because th- the reality is like, you know, Facebook's not going to be around forever. Amazon maybe will be around forever. I don't know. Um, but but you well, don't they're want... Gonna get, they're going to get hacked. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you don't want them to like, you know, totally change their algorithm in such an extreme way that all of a sudden you don't have any audience or, you know, if all your, all your fans are only on Facebook, what if Facebook goes down, right? So you have this email list that this is yours. You own it. Like, and your own website, um, you know, especially, you know, authors are starting out, they get frustrated, but it's like, yeah, don't, don't put all your eggs in someone else's basket. Like you need to build your own fan base. So, so that if those things change, you do have people right in front of you that you can contact directly. Um, which I think email is, I mean, email's not going away anytime soon as much as people sit, you know, there's, there are people that think it will be, it's not going to, but, but some, some way to connect to people directly. Now, uh, to break that, let's go back a little bit to break that down a little bit. Cause I like this. Um, you mentioned, you know, blogging, Facebook ads, things like that. Um, when someone comes to you, are you trying to find kind of a customized plan? Because I, I've always kind of encouraged people like, hey, you don't have to do everything. Um, but maybe in your space, whether you're fiction or nonfiction, there are certain things that might be more advantageous to you, or maybe you already have a blog, or maybe you already have kind of a fan base. So are you, do you suggest doing all those things? Like you need a blog, you need Facebook, you need Instagram, you need, you know, ads and all this, or are you saying there's, there's certain things that are, that are maybe, uh, more advantageous than others as far as marketing goes? 
It's a great question. Yes, it is a customized situation, uh, from, certainly from my perspective, because we're all different. And, and where the customization comes from is what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? Because any type of marketing activity that you get involved with, if you do it half-heartedly, you're going to get half-hearted results. Uh, so if you, you know, if you like to write and you can do it in small snippets, you can do it quickly, then blogging can be a great fit. Some of my clients look at blogging and they feel like that becomes like this, this vacuum cleaner that's just sucking content all the time and you, you got to feed the monster mm-hmm. and they don't want to do that. So in that case, that's fine. Instead, you, know, you could do a monthly newsletter or instead focus your time on building partnerships with other authors and promoting to their audiences and doing you know, joint promotions and things like that or you can have a newsletter, or if you have the time or have the budget, you can focus on advertising. So it it tends to be a a bit of a case-by-case basis, yet the principles should always stay the same, meaning control what you can control, do as much as you can to build your own audience. And then one thing we haven't touched on yet is one thing that all writers have complete control of is the language that you use to create to draw people and entice them to want to buy a book. And this is the area where I probably spend the most time lately because I think it's, it's, it's the area where you can get the best ROI and it's completely free. Uh, the, the principle that I love to, to tell my clients is language is the power of the sale, meaning that we're not, we're not selling books to computers or to machines. We're selling books to people and people still buy books based on their best interest. You know, what's in it for me? So if you're struggling to sell books, a lot of times it's the language that you have created for the back cover copy or the blurb or where, especially what people are seeing on Amazon. And we can definitely talk about Amazon before we wrap up. because you know, That's where the lion's share of the sales are. The language that people see, that's what's really ultimately going to determine, are they going to buy a book or not? Not you know, not money. It's not how much money you spend on advertising. It's how compelling is the language on the ad? Mm-hmm. Not you know, how many people you can drive to your Amazon page, how good the language is on your Amazon page. And the great news is, as writers, we should all be able to be very good at that because we're writers and it's free and you can always make it better and better and better. So that's certainly an area that I think a lot of people can, can, can grow on. Now, when, when you talk about um, language, are you also, are you talking about just, just all levels? I mean, when you're saying, you know, the kind of the story you're telling, the narrative you're telling, whether that's a book description, whether that's an ad, whether that's your blog, whether that's, um, really focusing in on kind of what's the message I'm sharing or what's the enticement or is that, am I correct in, that, in saying that? Well, I'm, I'm referring more specifically to that first touch that people are going to have. So that's okay. the Amazon page or an ad mm-hmm. um, or on your author website, you know, where you're describing your book or even your homepage when you're first kind of introducing mm-hmm. yourself to, to the world and, and why you write. Because the language that you create, if you make it good and you put it everywhere, the, the side benefit, which can last for a long time, is you're, you're literally training your audience what to say to their friends mm-hmm. to then give better word of mouth. Because word of mouth is still the number one way that, that books are purchased. I mean, right. yes, we have technology and algorithms and artificial intelligence, but still the number one way that, that books are moved through the industry is you know, us talking to each other about, hey, man, this is a great book I recently read. It's a perfect fit for you. You would love it. And because we trust that person and it becomes a, as a vetted uh, recommendation, then you know, we, we move on that and we pull the credit card out and, and make a purchase. So that's also kind of why language is the power of the sale. And I always encourage you know, any author listening, the better you get at writing compelling language, 
from a marketing standpoint, the easier you're going to make it on yourself to sell more books. Okay. No, I like that. And, and I like what you're saying about, you know, it's, it's something you can control. It's, you know, and, and it's funny. I mean, you, you did say it's easy as writers, but I, I find sometimes that's the hardest part is the, the smaller snippets, you know, the, the author bio, the, the sales page. It's like, this thing should be way easier to write than <laughs> I just wrote a 70,000 word novel and I can't write, you know, 200 words on a book description. Cause you know, it's like, you want to say everything. I mean, we, we joke about that. Other authors joke about that because it is hard, right? You want it to be compelling. You don't want to give away the whole story. You, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, we could probably talk a little bit more about that too. So, uh, so you hinted at Amazon. I want, I did want to talk about Amazon because, um, I heard it's this pretty, amazing company and there's a lot of books on there and things. Uh, so we probably should talk about it, but I know that's, that's part of one of your strategies and expertise. And, um, and so I had a lot of questions about that because, uh, for me, uh, and I'll use me just cause I know me the best, but I, I sell books on Amazon and wide as well. Um, and I've been selling books for seven or eight years now and, and I've had differing success on fiction and nonfiction wide. Um, and, and, and I do like Amazon and still probably most of my sales come through Amazon. Um, so the question is, um, maybe, and this isn't for me, but just because I deal with a lot of authors and we talk a lot, a lot about these things is, uh, you know, a Amazon is the, the king, um, of, of book sales and, and where people are obviously. Um, but you know, obviously with the, the algorithm changes a lot and, and new people coming in sometimes, you know, I'm hearing, I'll call them horror stories where it's the new author who spends 3000 to $4,000 a month on Amazon ads and Facebook ads and really doesn't have an audience and you're know, just kind of just losing a lot of money because they, you know, not really known and then they have one book. Um, you know, let's talk about Amazon. So, I mean, is it, do we even waste our time on any other platform or do we just go Amazon or, or what are, what are things that, that are you're finding are really helpful when it comes to Amazon's kind of ecosystem? Cause we do have a lot of people that have no idea what we're even talking about. I mean, they know Amazon, but they don't know, understand book sales and algorithms and you know, how it changes and, and their, and their marketing machine and things like that. So let's talk about Amazon just, just for a little bit. Sure. Well, besides consulting with authors, I also consult with publishing houses and I've, I've consulted with dozens of publishing houses across America for the last decade. So I'm able to get access to a lot of their sales data um, or just, you know, listening to their sales team and their executives talking about the trends that they're seeing. So having access to that data is very helpful and the data is extremely clear that Amazon owns the, the lion's share of book sales, especially in America. I mean, the last, the most recent data that I've seen that was comprehensive was that based on the category, Amazon is selling close to 50% of all print books in America. Um, and you know, that's, that's the one that's, that's kind of surprising because the other side of it is eBooks and everyone knows, or most people are kind of familiar that Amazon kind of built out because of the Kindle and their, and their website the ebook sales system, they're now selling anywhere from 70 to 80% of all ebooks hmm. in the US. So when you put those two pieces of data together and you realize, okay, Amazon's selling 70 to 80% of all ebooks and now getting close to selling 50% of all print books, that's when, you know, if you're new to, you know, if this is the first time you've heard these type of data and this type of discussion, it lets you know where you got to spend your focus. Because if they, essentially, if they're, responsible for over half of all book sales in America, then you need to make sure your presence on Amazon's website is incredibly strong. And this is the disconnect that I see a lot of authors making is that, you know, in fact, I have, I have some clients where they've hit the New York Times bestseller list a couple years ago. It was a major achievement. 
if you go to their books page on Amazon, there's no mention there was a New York Times bestseller. And just for the record, I have told them to do it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but that's what I mean by you, you have control over the way your book appears on Amazon. You have control over the cover. You have control over the marketing copy that people see. You have control over getting more customer reviews and being able to you know, build a, more, a bigger digital crowd who's excited and talking about your book on Amazon. But a lot of authors, they kind of push that to the back burner or either B, they don't realize how important it might be. So I'm glad that you're, we're spending time to talk about this because some of us may just not be aware of what the facts are. And the facts mm-hmm. are Amazon's selling over half of the books in America. So if you want to sell more books, get better at selling books on Amazon, you'll start selling more books tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And some key ways, that, there's three categories that I spend time with almost every, every writer about how to improve the, the, your Amazon presence. Is number one is the marketing copy. Like we just talked about before, you know, the way that someone sees whether you're writing a novel and how you describe the story and draw people in or whether it's nonfiction you know, advice or self-help and the, the results that you show that you can provide, that's, you, know, you have complete control over that. And a lot of authors don't realize, especially traditionally published authors may not realize you can change that copy whenever you want to. And the, the, if there's a secret back door through your Amazon Author Central account that will give you access to go in and change the, the language that people see whenever you want to. Hint, hint, if you're traditionally published, you can override what your publisher did. And because for a lot of traditionally published authors, their publisher created that copy, and it might be kind of boring or it might, might not be updated and reflect the most recent milestones or endorsements or things that will help your book be more compelling. So you can use your author central account at any time to go in and override or upgrade and have the most compelling copy for shoppers to see. You can also uh, constantly change the categories that your book resides in within Amazon's system. And there's over 3,500 categories with new ones being added every week. So that's always going to grow. And the good news about that is they're very obscure categories that can still be a good fit for your book, that if you put your book in that category, you have a stronger chance of hitting number one, and then Amazon's going to give you that bright orange bestseller badge that, that will also help convert more sales for free. Or maybe if you don't get to number one, you can, you can, your book will still appear on top 100 list. That a lot of Amazon shoppers, when they're looking for new books that they want to read, they'll use these top 100 lists to find new titles that might interest them. Again, this is all free, and you can use your author central account or go through your publisher to say, hey, would you put my book into this category? Because then that's going to help you get more eyeballs or get a bestseller badge for free. And then certainly, you know, advertising uh, does work. I have a lot of clients and I use Amazon advertising myself. It's not the cure-all, but it can be a nice addition to your marketing plan to make sure that people see your books exist on the world's largest retailer. And the good news with Amazon is you can get started for little as a dollar a day. Now, you're not going to get a whole lot of results for a dollar a day, but you can work your way in where even if you have a shoestring budget, you could still spend maybe 5 to $10 a day on Amazon ads, and you're going to get a decent amount of impressions that that's going to help people see that your book exists. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I describe those different steps from your marketing copy to categories to advertising from free to paid. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you have absolutely no money to spend, you can still use the power of marketing copy and categories to improve your sales. If you've got a little bit of money to spend or a lot of money to spend, you can then use their advertising platform. Mm -hmm. So give us your, uh, that's really helpful by the way. So give us, uh, when it comes to uh, Kindle Unlimited, now some 
people might not be familiar with that. Most people probably are, but Kid Unlimited is the paid program where people pay like 10 bucks a month and they can uh, download as many books as they want for free up to I think 10 a month or something. Um, but you can actually opt into that as an author uh, to get in front of more readers and uh, and they can essentially borrow your book or own your book or, or whatever. Um, tell us about that. Like if, if somebody's like a new author, is it, you know, would you advise them to go right away into Kindle Unlimited, which is basically exclusive to Amazon? So you can't be on any other platform. Would you go wide? What, you know, is this different between fiction and nonfiction? Maybe you can answer a couple of those questions. Yeah. And to make sure we're clear, I'm assuming you're talking about KDP Select. KDP Select. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that. That's kind of the big existential question that it seems right. like every author faces now. Do I go exclusive with Amazon or as you referenced earlier, do I go wide and sell, you know, on barnesandnoble.com or Apple or Google play? You know, there, there's still dozens of other people selling books mm-hmm. all around the world. Now the pie is shrinking, unfortunately. And, and, you know, hopefully that's going to turn around as new players, you know, come into the, into the industry. But for right now, as I mentioned with the data earlier, Amazon has the vast majority of sales. So, here are three questions that I give any author when they're thinking about, should I go exclusive to Amazon or sell on all the other platforms? Question number one is, is your genre Kindle-centric? Now, what I mean by Kindle-centric is that do you write books where the the majority of your readers who you're trying to target and and have buyer books, do they prefer to read a book on an e-reader device like a Kindle or the Kindle app on their iPad, what have you? So that's a question number one. And so it, most Kindle-centric genres are genre fiction, romance, action, adventure, thrillers, mystery, things that, you know, those types of categories are largely dominated by people who are kind of what we call whale readers in the industry, meaning that once they find one author that they really like, they're a whale reader. They're going to go gobble up all the books really quickly that that, that that author has ever written. And so you can make a lot of money fast off of one whale reader and those types of whale readers tend to be people who like to read ebooks on a Kindle device. So that's, a, that's the first question that's good to kind of help you discern, should I go exclusive or not? If you write for a Kindle-centric genre, then yes, KDP Select, where you agree to sell your ebook exclusively through Amazon, might be a good option. If not, then certainly you'd want to go wide. A second question is, are you struggling to build your readership? And that would be, you know, again, case in point, if you're a brand new author and you know, you're starting from scratch, or maybe you've written a book or two and you're still struggling to get, you know, kind of get that momentum going, well, because of the promotional tools that you're going to receive because, through KDP Select that you don't get unless you're in KDP Select, such as the ability to do a countdown deal or the ability to set your book for free uh, every five days in a 90-day period, those are some pretty powerful tools. It's, even if you have to drop your book down to free, because a lot of people might say, well, you know, Rob, why should I drop my book down to free? I'm never going to make any money. Because Amazon's audience is so big, even just dropping the price down to free for five days every quarter, every 90-day period, you're going to get thousands of downloads because people are much more willing to give you a try if there's nothing to lose on their end. So doing that or even doing a countdown deal where you might drop your price down to 99 cents and then work it back up to, to the full price over a period of a week, you're enabling Amazon's retail system and Amazon's huge audience to get more exposure and you're, you're removing the risk on their side so they'll give you a shot. 
So that's a great way to get a lot. I'm talking you know, thousands, if not millions of eyeballs on your book. So if you're struggling to build your readership, that's also why KDP Select might be a great option for your ebook. And just for those listening, just to, you know, to clarify, we're only talking about ebooks. You don't have to keep your print books or your physical books exclusive. So you can keep your ebooks exclusive, but still be selling your print books through all the other retailers at the same time. Uh, and the third question is, um, are you, are your books, or let me say it this way. Do you have a lot of books that people could buy once they get familiar with you? And then on top of that, is the page count for your books pretty large, like 300 pages or more? And the reason why that question is beneficial to making a decision of going exclusive or not is because Amazon, when, you, when you go select, Amazon is going to give you additional income through the page reads. I think it's called KENP, Kindle Edition Normalized Page Reads. It's a, it's a crazy acronym. But essentially what it means is that they can track how many pages of your ebook people read and they'll pay you anywhere from about four tenths to five tenths of a penny per page read. So if you have a lot of books that people can buy and those books are, have a, a long page count, you can wind up making a you know, pretty good amount of money. In other words, for every 300 pages that someone reads, you're going to receive $1.20. And that's not too far off the regular royalties that you might receive from someone buying your book outright. So those are the three questions that I have found can kind of you know, remove some of the confusion, add a little bit more clarity to the process is, is your genre Kindle centric? Are you struggling to build your readership? And if you have books, a lot of books that people can buy that are at a, three, a, a page count of 300 pages or more, yes, then going exclusive you know, might be a really good option. I've got a couple authors right now who make an additional two to $3,000 a month off of their page reads alone. So it can really add up. That's really good. I like what you said about, you know, especially if you're like a new author to get kind of readership and get eyeballs, you know, using some of those free tools, marketing tools, free days, uh, you know, KDB select is really a good way to start, especially if you're a kind of no name, you know, just trying to get, get going. Um, it makes total sense, especially, you know, 80% of the markets in Amazon. Of course I want to be where people <laughs> where readers are. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that, that's, I think just a, a lot of, a lot of wisdom and, uh, you know, it, it is, it's one of those things is it's, it is, it is challenging. I think for me, because I have, I think 17 books now or something it's, you, you have what's fun, especially as a, as an indie author is you can experiment and you can try, you know, uh, with fiction and, and I have fiction and nonfiction. So kind of see what works and what doesn't and put things in there, take them out, you know, that kind of thing. And that, that's been fun for me to kind of see what, what is really working and what kind of books. I like what you said about, um, knowing your genre, uh, because I think, you know, knowing, who's going to read tons and tons of books like romance readers, for example, are just devour I mean, multiple books a week. You know, these whale readers like KDB select, it's almost a no brainer because they want tons and tons of books. And most romance writers write a lot. So, um, you know, genre fiction, like you said, you know, sci-fi, things like that. They're going to read a ton of books. Now, if you're kind of self-help nonfiction, a book a year kind of thing, a lot of people read in print as well. Um, they like to mark up the books, not always, but, but that seems to be a trend. Um, yeah, you may not have as much success. I've been having a lot of success with audio. Um, so let's, can we talk about that? Just because it's audio <laughs> to me, as far as marketing goes, is, is really kind of the unknown weird, you know, it's like you have your audio book there, but I mean, is, is anyone doing like direct audio kind of marketing? Um, just because it's becoming such a popular, uh, medium as far as sales. I mean, I, I would say my, my audio sales are just as much as my ebook sales. So uh, any, any thoughts? I mean, is it, is it not wise to not have an audio book as soon as possible, uh, especially kind of where we're, we're headed? 
Yes, I mean, the, again, referring back to the industry data, the audiobook segment of the publishing industry is by far and away the fastest growing part of the industry. Uh, so books where the content is locked down, meaning you're not going to have to update it anytime soon, I would highly recommend turning any of those books into the audio format. Um, for example, now, you know, my books, and I have a series of books, the Author's Guide series, like the Author's Guide to Marketing Books on Amazon, the Author's Guide to Email Marketing, the Author's Guide to Write Text that Sells Books. Because the industry and technology changes so much, I'm always having to go back and, and update those books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, paying someone to do the audio or spending all the time to do the audio, I'm going to have to go right back and do it again in six months. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, for me, I'm an example of someone where audio is one of those rare examples where it may not be the best fit, but I would say for the vast majority of authors listening, you definitely want to add the audio component to the formats that you offer the world. And because of, you know, certainly podcasting has allowed people to realize I can do a lot more while I'm sitting in a car on my commute or on a treadmill, you know, working out or on vacation, you know, laying out on the beach. So we now have this explosion of, of audio enjoyment, whether that's podcasts, but then a lot of people are saying, yeah, I like podcasts too, but I want to listen to a book while I'm in the car or working out. So that's why it's growing so fast. So there's a lot of extra money to be made by expanding into the audiobook side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the challenge right now is the, the cost, you know, uh, as far as when you pay, you know, it gets really expensive. And then, like you said, if you have to change it, that's where it becomes a nightmare. Um, especially I had to change a a book, even I changed the title, which was, I thought would be a lot easier, but it's like, you have to have the audio guy go back in and change all the time, you know, even in the, you know, pre-production and the copyright and all that. And then, you know, and it's like, it does become this big, big hassle. So I think one of the things with audio is, is hopefully it'll catch up with just kind of the cost as it becomes a bigger thing. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, I know people, you know, they're dropping thousands of dollars to have a good audiobook made. Um, and you know, authors starting out just aren't able to do that usually. Um, but, um, but no, I, I, so, so let's, let's talk about a couple more things is, you know, if, if somebody comes to you, uh, Rob and, and they're like, Hey, here's the deal. I, I'm writing this book. I'm about to finish it. You know, I need your help. I need your services. Now I know you've talked about, um, you know, customizing kind of a pl- marketing plan for a client. Uh, but let, let's just talk a little bit about just kind of, you, you mentioned principles and kind of what would be kind of the top three, top five things for someone to think about as a new author that's trying to get their work out in the world, whether that's nonfiction or fiction, or maybe you have different principles for each, but um, about, you know, here, here are some things that, that are kind of non-negotiables. Here are some things that, that I think are, are vastly important to have in your marketing arsenal and things to kind of be thinking about. What would a couple of those things be for, for our audience? Here's one that, that, that I would consider global that applies to every author listening, which is logic makes people think, but emotion makes them act. Hmm. Logic makes people think, but emotion makes them act. And so what that really means is we're, as writers, we're actually in the business of selling emotion. And that kind of gets back to the marketing copy that we were talking about before, you know, language is the power of the sale that whether you write, and it can even be a textbook, if you can still tap into the emotional need or the emotional experience or challenge that your reader is facing, you're going to sell more books, uh, especially on the fiction side, which you're really, you know, you might think I'm selling a story. Yes, you are. But I would say the larger product that you're selling is an escape, is a- adrenaline, is a- an enjoyable thrill ride. It's emotion. So the more as we as writers that more we tap into the fact that we're really we're purveyors of emotion and we build that into the marketing component, 
whether that's the, the, you know, the hook that people see on an ad, the first few lines they see on the back cover copy, or the first things they see on Amazon, you're going to do a much better job of A, grabbing people's attention because you know, another principle is you can't, people can't buy what they don't know exists or you can't sell something to someone if you don't grab their attention in the first place. And because logic make, makes people think, you know, in other words, you know, oh, that's interesting. I'll consider it. Emotion makes people go, oh, I got to have that right now. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds amazing. I got to. You know, I remember when I first saw the novel The Martian that got turned into the movie with Matt Damon, and, it's, and, the, and the tagline was, he's the first astronaut to walk on Mars, but now he's sure he'll be the first to die there. Mm. I thought, now that's a great example of you're, you're not just selling a scientific, you know, science fiction of going to Mars, you're selling emotion and suspense. What's going to happen to this guy? Mm-hmm. And that's a great example. In fact, you know, we, we talked about uh, you know, ways to have your book appear on Amazon that's going to be compelling. I'll give you my, my favorite two. I always point people when it comes to fiction, The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. You look at the way that book appears on Amazon, you will have a great exemplar to follow. And then for the nonfiction side, a book that's been out for a while, it's, it's been around, but I love how concise and compelling and emotional it is. It's a book called Getting Past No by William Urey. His last name is spelled U-R-Y. It's all about negotiation. And when you see the way that the, the language for those books is presented in an emotional standpoint, you'll, 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 under, you'll have a visual representation that really helps define what I'm talking about. Yeah, logic will make people think about buying your book, but emotion will make them act on buying your book. That's good. Yeah. What, what other, what other principles would you give? So someone comes to you and they're okay. They got, they got the emotion part. They're trying to tell this compelling story because people act on emotions and, um, and we want to manipulate their emotions and just have them buy all our stuff. So they're just, you know, not thinking straight. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Just, just kidding. Um, so, uh, but you know, what, what else would be, um, you know, what do they need? Like, I mean, do they need a website? Do they need a newsletter? Do they need all that? Or is it just case by case? Does it matter? Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Well, in terms of, of what we need as authors to grow our sales, what we really need, right? You know, the most of anything else is the email address. Okay. Because when you've got someone's email address, first of all, by, by dint of the fact that someone gave you their email address, that, that's a precious commodity to a lot. You know, now, yeah, they might give you their junk email, but when you offer something of value that's, that's tangible, like a free short story or some free eBooks. And by the way, I have a special gift for your audience. I've got three free eBooks that anyone listening, they're welcome to go to RobEager.com. You can get Mastering Book Hooks for Authors, How to Find Readers and Sell Books on a Shoestring Budget, and then the Ultimate Book Marketing Plan Template. That's all free. Wow. I, and I'm just to let you go, my gift to, to you and everyone listening, but the reason why I even bring that up, and I'm just trying to, to pump myself, I wanted to show that that's giving away tangible value so that when someone sees, oh, wow, I can get all that for free just by giving Rob my email address, they're not going to part with their email address lightly. It is a commodity that we protect because we don't want our inbox getting filled up with a bunch of junk. So when you can convince someone to give you their email address, they've taken a big step towards you in, in terms of the buying transaction because they're saying, I'm going to give you something that's important to me, which is my email address. And by doing so, you're now being able to build that relationship. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make too much out of it. You know, it's not like a, a face-to-face relationship, but it is a relationship where someone is saying, I'm now okay with you contacting me and talking to me about your books. 
So that's why the email address in my mind is, is number one. Most, and because the email connection is a much stronger connection than a Facebook connection or an Instagram connection. I've been a part of studies with my own clients. In fact, I've, I've worked with three authors over the last 24 months who each had over 1 million followers on Facebook and they had a very difficult time selling books to that audience. We're talking like a three-tenths of 1% success rate. They were very upset, by the way, that they had spent so much money and time building a massive Facebook following all to have it yield almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Whereas my clients who have anywhere from 50 to 100,000 email followers, they routinely hit the bestseller list. Mm-hmm. So if there's, a, if there's a must-have these days, it, it, I would, it says it all goes back to that email address. No, I think that's, that's, that's wise. And, you know, because, and the other thing with, I don't think people realize with Facebook is that the algorithms too, it's like people don't even see your stuff half the time and people, and we have no control over that. Like we don't know that until you realize, Oh, Hey, did you see my thing? No, I didn't see that. You know, but that email, you have direct contact. You can send it to someone anytime. You don't want to spam them obviously, but you know, when you have a book out or you have something going on or, you know, whatever. And, and I like, I, I follow a lot of people, a lot of authors and, and other people, interesting people. And I love hearing from them. I love hearing about their families. I love hearing about what's going on in their lives and the things they share. And, you know, you kind of get an insight into more of who they are than just the books they write and the, the stuff they do. So, and, so and Ryan, to be, and Ryan to, be, to be clear, I'm not against social media. In fact, social media is a great way to get more people to join your email list. <laughs> so they, yeah. you know, Social media is great for letting people know about awareness, but if you wanted to get them to purchase, right. that's where email is going to yep. be a much better tool. No, that's good. Well, great. Uh, so, so Rob, so tell us uh, just a little bit, and this might feed into the kind of our back end of our, our conversation is, uh, you know, what you're working on right now, but also, you know, just what do you offer? I mean, as, as you know, wildfire mar- marketing, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about a, diff- a lot of different things that you, that you do, but you know, what are some of the kind of services that you offer people that come to you and, and how do you really help people uh, in the, the authoring space? Well, there's three different buckets that people can kind of you know, decide where's the best fit. Uh, but, you know, I certainly always start with the three free eBooks that I give away and I have a free newsletter that goes out every Monday morning, Rob Eager's Monday Marketing Minute for authors. Again, I'm, I'm very open with giving away free advice. So you can always start there. I've got about 30 free articles on my website under the free resources section too. In terms of paid opportunities, uh, consulting, if, if someone wants to work with me one-on-one, I do 90-minute consultations for $350. I have what's called a bookmarking masterclass, which is a very intensive premium experience. That's $5,000 where I just pull back the curtain and teach you all of my secrets and customize those to your specific situation. I have a series of books called the Author's Guide series, the Author's Guide to Marketing Books on Amazon, the Author's Guide to Email Marketing, the Author's Guide to Write Text that Sells Books. More of those books will be coming down the pike in the future. Uh, And then I have online courses that are very popular as well. I have an online course called Mastering Amazon for Authors. Uh, That opens up usually in the spring and in the fall. Um, So it'll be coming out, we'll be opening up registration again in the fall. That those also have another course called How to Sell Books on a Shoestring Budget. Those courses have been taken now by almost 300 authors, uh, all positive response. And that way, you know, someone can learn from me remotely at their own pace. Uh, and the courses are anywhere from $250 to $400, so a you know, very good price point that's affordable. But you also get access to ask me questions. So you know, I'm here to – I know that you can learn something from a book. But at some point, you're going to have to ask an expert a question about your specific situation. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the role that I really enjoy playing in the industry. People can come to me one-on-one for personal consulting, but when you buy my courses or you buy my books, you're able to email me at any time questions. And I do my best to get back to everyone within 24 hours, unless I'm fly fishing out on a river. (laughs) (laughs) When it's hot in Atlanta. Yes. I don't blame you. Uh, No, that's great, Rob. It it seems like you're just giving away so much good content and good information, resources, someone who's done it, someone who's dealing, working with authors every day. And so go check out Rob's stuff. I'll have the, the website in the show notes and uh, go get his free eBooks. Thank you, Rob, for those as well. That's going to help a lot of people. Um, and yeah, if you need some consulting or need some one-on-one help or somewhere in between, uh, yeah, give, give Rob a holler. He'd, he'd love to help you out. Uh, so Rob, so before we close up, um, one thing that I like to ask people is, and maybe this relates to marketing or maybe just authoring, but what is just kind of one truth you would give uh, an, uh, a beginning author, an aspiring author, something that's just, they just need to be about this or they need to think about this. What would be one truth you'd want to share with them? When it comes to marketing, sometimes we can feel nervous about talking to people about our books because we, we're, we're nervous we're going to come across as arrogant or narcissistic or a book pusher. The secret to getting over any fears of marketing, you know, if, there's, if there's a truth I can pass along is when you focus on your value and the value that you offer to readers, then you can feel comfortable about marketing because you're not going to come across as a shyster or an arrogant book pusher. So if you're ever kind of caught or ever kind of feeling that anxiety about, oh, you know, is it okay if I tell someone about, about my book? Focus on telling them about the value of your book. How is it going to entertain if you, or inspire if you write fiction? How is it going to help solve a problem if you write nonfiction? When you focus on that, you're always going to come across as being a helper and being generous rather than just a narcissistic book pusher. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. That, that. that is so, so key. That's probably one of the better things I've heard on this, on this show is, yeah, it's, it's not about it's actually about them. It's about what we offer them. And that, that takes a lot of anxiety away from us to think like, yeah, I've labored over this thing and they're going to think I'm a just scammy, pushy guy. Um, but you're offering them some value and inspiration and instruction and information. So, so Rob, this has been fantastic. I know we've hit our audience with uh, a big fire hose and there's always so much more we could talk about. And I'd love to have you on the show again sometime. So thanks for coming on the show and all the best. My pleasure. Happy return in the future. And thanks for all you're doing to inspire writers as well. Oh, thank you. Have a good one. Well, there you have it. Prolific Writer Nation. What a great interview. What a great conversation to have to kind of get us back in gear this fall season with our writing wherever we are. And and again, I think that marketing piece is such a, it's a hard piece. It's a a challenging piece, uh, depending on how you're wired, depending on you know, your experience, depending on how many books you have out there, you may, you know, just not have that much stuff to, to even market. And so I hope there's some things you can take away, even regardless of where you're at. And Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. Go check out his, his stuff. He has, he has a bunch of free eBooks, uh, that are on his website and he'd like to offer those to us. And so go check out, get on his, his mailing list and, uh, get into marketing gear this, this fall. Maybe that's one of your goals for your writing. It's just how can I kind of, I got some work and I, I got to start sharing it. What does that, what does that look like? What does that look like for me and, and get a plan going? So thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. As I said earlier, Hey, if you want to find some cool podcasts, go check out the project entertainment network. Uh, put those, put that website in the show notes. Our show is proudly sponsored by them. And, uh, also if you'd be kind to leave a rating or review on iTunes, it always helps us out and I get the word out and I gets our show out into to more ear earbuds, if you will. So again, 
So thankful, so blessed to be able to do this podcast. Thank you for listening in. This is Ryan J. Pelton from The Prolific Writer. And before I go, I just have one more thing to tell you. And that's go get more words on the page. And I'll talk to you real, real soon. Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron Sweet Almahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method Podcast on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up, and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code DCPOD to save $10.